Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with your host, astrologer and author, April Elliott Kent. Hello, invisible friends, and welcome to the next chapter of the Big Sky Astrology Podcast and my first solo episode. The date today is January 31st, 2022, and this is episode 108. It's kind of appropriate that I'm starting this new chapter of the podcast on an Aquarius new moon with the sun making a square aspect to Uranus, because both of those things talk about change. And those of you who heard episode 107 are aware that Jen has left the podcast to go on to other things. And that means a big change for all of us. I will, of course, miss her very much on the show. And I know that those of you who have listened from the beginning, one of the things that you've told us that you really enjoyed about the show was that rapport, that back and forth, the conversation between two friends. And we'll all be missing that. And change generally (laughs) is difficult. There's a place that we go to a couple of times a year on the central coast of California. And when we went up last November, we were checking in at the front desk and they told us which room we were going to get. And it happened to be our very favorite room and we had not gotten this room in years. So we were really excited. And they said, oh, and by the way, we've just refurbished the rooms. We'll be really curious to hear what you have to say about them. And my heart kind of sank because like, it was perfect. Why did you have to change it? So we got into the room and there had been these two armchairs by the front windows looking out over the, over the ocean, beautiful, plush, comfortable chairs. And I would nap in those chairs and I would read in those chairs and in their place were these little hard, sort of like upholstered dining room chairs. And it just was not the same thing. They had taken up the carpet and in its place is this sort of laminate wood. And it was very cold and and I hadn't brought slippers and all of this. So it was kind of disappointing, right? The thing that I've become so accustomed to that I looked forward to that was comforting and comfortable had changed. And my friends, that is where we're finding ourselves now on this podcast as well, because I know for a lot of you, it was a cozy place to check in and visit every couple of weeks and listen to me and Jen talking about the world. So as I say, things change and this will be different. I know that you all join me in wishing Jen the very best in her future adventures. You can keep up to date with her at her website jenbrown.com and brown is spelled b-r-a-u-n and i hope that you will give this new format a spin be a little patient with me as it grows into what it will become and hopefully you will find that it still adds a little bit of snap to your mondays it's still early days but here is what you can expect from the show going forward at least initially I do expect to release episodes every week on Monday with the usual rundown of the week's major planetary happenings. This show has always been intended as a sort of a companion to my weekly blog at BigSkyAstrology.com. And that's always a good weekly destination, too, for those of you who love to read as well as listen. 
I'll be bringing you the week's major lunation, and I'll also give you my pick for the planetary happening of the week. And at the end of each episode, I'll offer you something just a little bit different. It might be a little mini astrology lesson, a listener question, or even a guest. So if you have questions you'd like me to answer in future episodes, you can either leave a brief voicemail at speakpipe.com forward slash Big Sky Astrology Podcast, and I'll link that in the show notes. Or if you're a shy person, you can just send a brief email to me, april at bigskyastrology.com, and be sure to put podcast question in the subject line. So that'll jump right out at me. Well, having said all that, let's get started with the week of January 31st. And we begin with the new moon in Aquarius. That happens today, January 31st at 9.46 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're on the East Coast, any place basically east of the Pacific time zone, almost you're going to end up having this new moon on February 1st. It's at 12 degrees and 19 minutes of Aquarius on the Sabian symbol, a barometer. So a barometer, of course, is something that measures atmospheric pressure, (laughs) but it's also a term we use for gauging public opinion. And both of those things seem appropriate at this new moon. This new moon is in a conjunction with Saturn. The sun and the moon are together with Saturn, and they're all square Uranus. That's a lot of pressure. And this goes back to the pressure of the Saturn-Uranus square that really dominated 2021. We had our final square in that sequence around Christmas time, so it won't make another exact square, but they're still traveling really closely together throughout 2022. And in fact, on October 1st, they come within a half a degree of an exact square. So we know the dynamic tension of Saturn square Uranus is still with us, has not been completely resolved. We've talked about this many times throughout 2021. And just to recap it here, I would say Saturn is about boundaries and structures and the way things have always been done. And Uranus is the planet that wants to bust all that open and do things in a new way. So basically, it's a classic tension between old and new and what's established and what is innovative. And as I've said many times before, when you have an aspect between two planets, and in particular a square, both planets have to be heard and have to be respected. They have to have their voice honored. So it's not as simple as just throwing all the old rules and all the old ways out the door, you know, getting rid of Saturn in favor of Uranus and just doing everything new. We can't do that. We have to keep some of the established structures to keep things from devolving completely into chaos. But neither can we allow things to grow stagnant and outmoded And we have to see changes and innovation. So that is the ongoing dynamic. And it's a lot of pressure that has been building. And we've seen it. You've seen it in your daily life, in society, in the media, in the social media, in your personal relationships, in the place where where you work, and all of the rest. So this new moon in Aquarius is 
to me, a little bit critical because Aquarius is a sign that is ruled by both Saturn, Saturn's the traditional ruler of Aquarius, and Uranus, which is its modern ruler. Aquarius itself is a very contradictory sign. It's a fixed sign, so it can be very constant, very consistent. Stay with things day after day, month after month, year after year, and then suddenly, one day, seemingly out of nowhere, it says, I'm done with this. I'm going in another direction. And that's the Uranian part. That's where we find ourselves at this new moon. And since the sun and the moon are in a conjunction with Saturn and square Uranus, we're siding a little more with Saturn at this new moon. And it can be a time when we're feeling a little confined or like things are really hard. We have more of a burden. We have many more constrictions on us. That's how Saturn can feel. But over there, 90 degrees away, is Uranus saying, hey, let's bust this thing open. Let's do things in a new way. Now, new moon times, we always say in astrology, are times to plant seeds. It's the beginning of a new cycle. And in fact, it's the beginning of a couple of cycles. One is the typical lunar cycle that begins at each new moon until the next new moon, about 28 and a half days later. So that's one cycle. Then there, of course, is what we call the lunar gestation cycle. And I'll link to a really good article about that in the show notes. This was introduced to us by our friend Astrology by Celeste, who, who has a wonderful Instagram channel that you should check out. But the lunar gestation cycle tracks this degree, the degree of the new moon, around 12 degrees of Aquarius, over the next two and a half years, when first quarter, full moon, and last quarter occur near this degree. So the first quarter of this new gestation cycle will be on Halloween of this year when there's a first quarter moon near 12 degrees Aquarius. Then there's a full moon on August 1st, 2023 near this degree and a last quarter on May 1st, 2024. And I love this system because I used to look at the new moon and think, oh, well, you know, make some intentions, plant some seeds, be aware that you're at the start of a new cycle. But then I thought, well, how much can you really accomplish in a month in 28 and a half days? So I loved learning about this lunar gestation cycle because it puts every new moon in a really different context for me. It feels much more consequential because it's setting the tone not just for the next month, but for the next two and a half years. So even though we will be finished with Saturn and Uranus to a great extent by the end of this year, this is something that we're carrying with us through the next two and a half years. So look for 12 degrees of Aquarius in your birth chart. What is the house that it falls in? Is it aspecting any personal planets in your chart? And that will tell you what you're planting, what you're beginning, where to invest your attention and your energy at this time, so that by the full moon, a couple of weeks from now, you start to see some little shoots growing. And at this time, at the, at the full moon in um, August of 2023, you see even more of what you planted now, because at the new moon, we're in the dark. I always like to remind people, if you go outside on the night of a new moon, there's no light. 
and we're taking it on faith. You know, we're, we're going outside with a bag of seeds and we just kind of indiscriminately throw them around and hope to heck something takes and begins to grow. Also this week, our friend Mercury is turning direct on February 3rd at 8.13 p.m. Pacific Time on 24 degrees and 22 minutes of Capricorn. Mercury turned retrograde on January 14th at 10 degrees of Aquarius and got all the way back to 24 degrees of Capricorn. Every time Mercury turns retrograde this year, it does so in an air sign. So the retrograde cycle begins with an idea. It's happening in our minds, but then it turns direct again in an earth sign, which asks us at the end of the Mercury retrograde period, how will you realize your vision? When planets are retrograde, we're asked to go within to find guidance about its matters. And I think while Mercury is retrograde, it is not a bad idea at all to turn off your social media, turn off the news, and basically stop consuming so much of other people's thoughts and ideas. And any process that you like to do to access what's going on in your own head, whether it's journaling or meditating, it's, it's really good time to do it when Mercury is retrograde. So what I have done for this year for myself is note all of the dates that Mercury will be retrograde so that I can plan a little bit more in advance to leave my schedule a little more open so that my mind has a little bit of time to rest and reflect. And I'll make a note of these dates for you as well in the show notes. So you can go in and note on your calendar the times that you might want to set aside for this more internalized Mercury time. On February 4th, the next day, Mars makes a sextile aspect to Jupiter at 5.37 a.m. Pacific time. And Mars will still be out of bounds. We've talked about, I think we talked about it on episode 107. We talked about it on our special Capricorn Solstice episode for subscribers. And an out of bounds planet just means that the planet is traveling in its declination beyond the ecliptic, beyond the, the sun's maximum or minimum declination at the solstices. And because this idea is related to the sun, we know that it is about our sense of, of normalcy and sanity. The sun I always call the organizing principle. And when a planet is moving beyond those bounds, it means it's a little more reckless and wild. It's, it's completely unsupervised and we don't know exactly how it's going to behave. So Mars went out of bounds on January 12th, will continue to be out of bounds through February 10th. So this is a Mars that is even a little more outside uh, the norms than usual. Mars is not a planet that's normally that concerned with following the rules. It wants to get what it wants to get. 
However, it is currently in Capricorn. And Capricorn lends a little more discipline, a little more respect for boundaries than, say, Mars and Sagittarius. As Mars makes the sextile to Jupiter, Mars's wild spirit can actually open up interesting opportunities. We've talked about sextiles a lot in the past on the show. We had a whole, well, not a whole episode, but a good portion of an episode early on. I want to say episode 12, I'll link in the show notes, where we talked about the sextile aspect, the unsung aspect of astrology. It's an opportunity aspect. It's planets separated by 60 degrees. So we know that the sextile from Mars to Jupiter, this is why I'm saying it's opening up opportunities and news and new things coming in. But always with a sextile, we have to remember that we have to do a little work. We have to exert a little effort to get the good things that can come from the aspect. It's not like a trine where nice things just kind of fall in your lap. With a sextile, it says, no, you have to earn it a little bit. You have to put a little bit of effort into making this happen. But then you get Jupiter, which is almost always something really nice. It might be a little overwhelming at first, and it might feel like more than you can comfortably handle. But I think with Mars being out of bounds as well, we are more willing to entertain opportunities that seem a little big, that push the envelope for us a little bit. Now, our aspect of the week is the sun making its exact conjunction to Saturn on February 4th at 11.04 a.m. Pacific time at 15 degrees and 56 minutes of Aquarius on the Sabian symbol 16 Aquarius, a big business man at his desk. So we saw this aspect coming together in the new moon chart. And as the sun approaches Saturn, it can make things feel even more daunting and more difficult. It feels that there's some huge obstacle that we have to overcome in order to express ourselves, which is what the sun wants to do. It wants to express itself. It wants to be creative. It wants to shine its light and enjoy life and have a good time. So you can see that the sun coming together with Saturn can have a little bit of a dampening effect. It's like putting a big, heavy light shade on a bright, shining lamp. So once the sun gets past the exact aspect to Saturn on February 4th, things begin to open up and maybe feel a little bit easier. But in any event, in this conjunction, and specifically with this Sabian symbol, I think we see the best of Aquarian innovation because the Sun and Saturn are, are coming together in Aquarius, where that comes together with the discipline and earned authority of Saturn. The Sun really struggles when it's aspecting Saturn because they want to accomplish such different things. But I remember talking recently to one of my clients who was talking about the creative process in something that she did. and. We both sort of exclaimed to each other that, wow, isn't it true that sometimes the more constrictions you have, 
the easier it is to be creative. Ask any writer. You know, if you wake up in the morning and you need to write something for the day, and where is the idea going to come from? And that's why we have writing prompts. And this is why often I will use the Sabian symbols because they're a launching point for my imagination. If you start out with a blank slate and limitless possibilities, it's a lot harder to decide what to focus on and how to use your creative powers to best advantage. So that's how I like to think of the sun with Saturn, that even though it can feel a little constricting, sort of like a tight shoe, we know actually that it can do a good thing for us because it helps us focus and really get serious about doing something. As I said, I'll be ending each of these episodes now with something a little different, usually either a little lesson or an interview with a guest or something of that nature. So what I'm going to do today, I just wanted to talk to you about a question I get a lot, and I'm not sure if I've ever addressed this on the podcast before, but a question I do get really often from people is, do you use astrology to plan your daily life. And my first instinct is to just categorically say that I don't. I don't think that's completely the case. And of course, not all days are created equal. If there is a day when I have something really important that I have to do, I'm going to pay attention to the astrology of the day and see if it can help me accomplish what I need to accomplish in the easiest way possible. It's sort of the idea behind giving you the big aspects for each week and talking to you about that. It says, here is the tone of the week. Here are the major energies that we're contending with. And it's the same thing on a daily basis. But on a daily basis, we look at much more detailed information. We look at the movement of the moon. And we have done this in our Podathon episodes. We have an episode every day for a week. And we have a lot more latitude to go into detail about the aspects, say, of the moon, which moves very quickly compared to everything else. Whereas the sun moves seven degrees in a week, the moon is moving 12 degrees in a day. So the moon talks about that daily ebb and flow. And the sign that it's moving through talks about the tone and the mood. Of the populace. The moon traditionally was the symbol not only of our internal and emotional landscape, but the people, the populace, the public. What kind of mood are people in today? What do they want to see? My astrology teacher used to tell us the story of working in human resources. She was learning astrology on the side and she began experimenting with working with the day's moon to try to ensure success for her clients when she sent them out to apply for jobs. So she would take a look at the sign that the moon was in, and each sign is associated with particular colors. 
She would tell them if the moon was, say, in Aries on a given day and they were going to an interview, she'd say, wear something red. You don't have to wear a whole red suit, but some little red accent somewhere. Because her idea was that subliminally, everybody is kind of keying in to Aries on that day. And the color red is a little bit of a signal. And she actually had a, she said she had a really good success rate (laughs) with sending people out with that one simple little tip. The other thing I will look at often on a day, especially if I know I have to do something a little challenging and I need some help, I'll look and see in my astrological calendar is just glance at it and say, wow, is the moon making a lot of squares and oppositions on this day? Things are probably not going to flow real smoothly. And if they're making a lot of trines and a lot of sextiles, maybe a few nice conjunctions, there's a good flow to it. Things will probably go easier. So I try to use the days with a lot of squares, few oppositions, to tackle the things that I know are going to be hard and are going to take some effort. Because that's what that kind of day is well suited to, to tackling the things that are hard. So I suppose my answer to the question, do I use astrology in my daily life is, I mean, not every day, not consistently. But if there is something in particular that I need to tackle, I will look at the moon's sign. I know when the moon is in some signs, I do a little better than when they're in others. I don't do super great on the days the moon is in Scorpio. It moves through my 12th house. My energy tends to be low. I tend to be a little grouchy because the moon's squaring all my Leo planets. So just following the moon in your own chart becomes helpful. It's not that I don't do anything on the days the moon is in Scorpio. But again, if it's something kind of important, I will try to avoid those days. Well, my friends, that is everything I have on my little show sheet here. So I'm going to wrap this one up. And I really want to thank you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology podcast. And I hope, as I said, that you will hang in there with me while this continues to evolve. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to follow or subscribe, depending on the platform you're listening on, rate, review, and maybe you'll spread the word. Maybe you will tell an astrology-loving friend about the show. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at BigSkyAstropod.com. Thanks very much to everyone who showed support for us during our September Podathon. Of course, each week I'm thanking some of you by name, and this week I'm giving a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Karen Carruthers, Henrietta Chan, and Deb Kirkland. Karen, Henrietta, and Deb, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting the show with your donations. If you missed the Podathon and would like to support the show, please go to BigSkyAstropod.com. That's it for this episode. Please join me again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, visit her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thoughtful essays, 
find out more about her books and classes or book a personal astrology reading. That's all for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to stay current with new episodes. And please leave a rating or review. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook or Twitter and Big Sky Astrology April on Instagram. Thanks again for being here, and we hope you'll join us next time.